Welcome to the Music Challenge Podcast. My name is Andrew, and I am sitting here tonight with my brother, Jim. Jim, say hi, man. Hey, everybody. Hey. Uh, I have Jim on tonight as part of our uh, part two of the Eddie Van Halen tribute because uh, Jim was my portal to Van Halen. Um, We had talked a lot about our older brothers in our formative album series, and uh, this is mine. So... um, I'm really happy to have him on tonight. And what Jim is going to do is like, I wanted the vibe of someone who uh, was really in the, you know, Jim was in high school for the most of the Van Halen years and, uh, um, or approaching high school, even middle school. Can you imagine that Van Halen coming out when you're in middle school? So in any case, uh, let me remind everyone that uh, you can reach us on social media. We have a Facebook page. Uh, it's very elaborate and nice, and I put posts up there, and you'll like it. Uh, sometimes they're uh, clips of shows on, you know, maybe on YouTube. Sometimes it's news. Sometimes it's in memoriam. We've had lots of Eddie Van Halen stuff up there lately, and uh, uh, seems like too many people are dying these days. Um, but uh, so you can check it, go to Facebook and uh, just search Music Challenge Pod and uh, you'll land upon it and like it. Please like the Facebook page because you will like it. And uh, that way you'll get all the posts. Also, you can email us at uh, musicchallengepod at gmail.com. That's musicchallengepod, spelled like it sounds, at gmail.com. So, um, that's that. And, uh, let's get down with the talk talk. Uh, Jim, so, uh, what years were you in high school? So I was in uh, high school from, uh, I believe it was, uh, fall of 1980. And then I graduated in, uh, 1984. 1984 folks. You heard it right there. Um, <laughs> I know Jim's kind of smirking at me. So what were your thoughts when uh, Eddie passed? Well, I uh, well, I was definitely sad to see him pass. I mean, um, he was a uh, virtu- virtuoso oh, yeah. in the uh, guitar world. Sure. And, um, yeah, you, you uh, hate to see him go. I mean, he was such a contributor oh, yeah. you know, in the music world. So. Um, and you know, for myself too, I mean, kind of, as you alluded to, I mean, he was, um, really a driving force in the, uh, really kind of the, um, you know, the music score of, uh, yeah. you know, my time yeah. uh, in high school. So, uh, people, uh, not only listening to his music, but I mean, truth is, I mean, there were people, maybe even myself, even trying to dress like him. Yeah. You know, flannel and the uh, boots and yeah. So, um, yeah, I heard you. it was a big deal. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, those sneakers he wore went kind of crazy, those firecracker Nikes that he kind of sported all the time. Oh, yeah. 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 So, I think you and I watched uh, a YouTube clip, maybe, you know, back 
six years ago whenever we had our night long YouTube session and, uh, uh, they really had, we're rocking the ocean Pacific type look, you know, it's funny you mention that actually, because, uh, you know, I think Van Halen's personal to a lot of people, uh-huh. uh, especially from that time, their experience of Van Halen. And so when I, uh, originally, I, I didn't know that they were, uh, you know, Southern California mm-hmm. guys. Uh, I, I thought they could have been from, uh, Northern Illinois, <laughs> nice. Know, and uh, or Jim and I grew up together for six years or so, four years at least. Yeah, and so uh, later on, realizing that they were a Southern California band, um, there was actually some uh, reconciling for me to you know try and eat. I actually started listening to the music a little differently. Uh huh. After I found that out, and so when I go back to the catalog, I'm like, oh you know, some of this makes sense now. So. Right. Right. That's cool. That's cool. Um, you know, going back, you know, I think, I think both of us are really just great appreciators of the music. So like, what, what are some highlights of the catalog for you? Well, um, we can go through it consecutively or if you want to just talk about your all timers or what. Well, you know, uh, to go th- when you say go through the catalog, I mean, it's pretty easy for me as far as uh, highlights. I mean, uh, for me, it starts with Van Halen 1. Right. Tracks 1 through 10. Right. <laughs> right. And um, I, I think, you know, for your last season, um, I had uh, responded back and said, uh I couldn't actually include Van Halen one, uh, in my formative four because I I felt like I needed to, um, you know, use the rock album that kind of opened the door for me. And for me, that's Aerosmith rocks. I I know Rob's a big fan. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. Rob loves it. (laughs) Matter of fact, I'm going to go to his house and play it for him tonight. But, um, but anyways, uh, but Van Halen one was really close to being, uh, in my formative four, because it was like a door open for me. Oh, yeah. uh, quite actually, uh, when it came out in 1978, um, if I'm completely honest, I wasn't really listening to much music, you know. So that was yeah. my middle school years. Um, I think somebody gave me uh, the double album soundtrack to uh, Saturday Night Fever. I do remember that. Yeah, which is actually, yes. folks. Go back and listen to it. It's pretty good. I mean, those songs stick in your head like crazy. Yeah. I, I mean, and, you know, so it was funny, you know, just kind of uh, thinking back this week. And I I tried not to do too much research, but uh, I just thought, you know, well, what was going on? What other kind of music was there in 1978? And it was disco. You know, oh, yeah. Yeah. Four on the Floor. Yeah, so that was the uh, that was the big deal, um, and you know MTV, which is is going to be you know big uh, right. soon. It's not on the scene yet, nope. and you're just as likely to get your music through uh, a show called Solid Gold. Oh yeah, 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 yeah! Didn't they have like a top ten or something they went through every week or something like that? Yeah, and I mean, it was... Uh, they had the Solid Gold Dancers. 
Yeah. I, I mean, it was going to be, I mean, it wasn't just popular music. I mean, it seemed to me it had kind of a uh, disco leaning. I, I could be wrong on that. It's worth looking up, I think. Sure. But, um, you know, so that's, that's about 1978. And so for me, I'm not uh, listening to music yet, but I'll kind of move along here. Um, you know, what's going to happen, of course, in our family is that in, I think it's summer of 1980, we moved to, uh, Northern Illinois, Rockford. Right. And we're not there anymore. Um, Don't stalk us. Yeah. Um, so I thought that was awesome because, uh, it's first town we're going to live in where we uh, have family. And so I had, uh, well, both Andrew and I had cousins our age, there and so I would ride my bike over there, and uh, my cousin Chris had um, an eight-track player. That's right. That's right. And so he would uh, he would put on he it didn't seem to me he had too many eight tracks. I want to say maybe he had some uh, maybe Art. had some Boston, uh, maybe had some uh, Journey. Did he have any heart? I don't. Remember. I don't remember. Yeah, I'm, okay. not, I'm not sure. I, I had some. Oh, that, that's right in the same vein as the stuff you just mentioned, though. I mean, it could be there. But I only remember playing those a couple of times. And he did have, uh, I think he had some Kiss, which was more frequent. And then uh, he had Van Halen 1. Um, he at least had Van Halen 1. He might have had Van Halen 2. And so that was the first time I ever heard uh, Van Halen. Oh, wow. And Chris is a yeah. eight-track player there. On the eight-track, you know. And so we would uh, – I'd ride my bike over there. He'd play it. I'll, I'll be honest. I didn't know what to think of it at first. Sure. And uh, – so I thought your feelings were falling out. Yeah. The thing is, if, you, if you're not ready for a piece of music yet, you know, if you don't speak the language yet. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's – yeah, yeah, I didn't, I didn't know the language, you know, at at the time. Right. But, um, you know, so I would listen to it, um, and I found myself riding my bike over there more often and being like, "Hey, can you put that on? Uh-oh. Put on Van Halen one, yeah, or, or Van Halen two, and then um, eventually he got uh, Women and Children first. I remember listening to that on the A track as well. Right. And, uh, you know, eight tracks are, it's like vinyl, you know, I mean, your old vinyl, you remember the pops and the uh, right. cracks on the album, but with, uh, Van Halen or, you know, just eight tracks in general, I want to say that the, uh, the tracks changed in the middle of the song. Like you yeah, could listen it, to a song and it would like, it would change tracks in the middle of the song, which was kind of quirky, but you know, now kind of cool, maybe. So I remember that. I guess I thought it just wasn't working right or something like that. But I don't know. Because it seemed like you'd be in the middle of the song and then. Because each track could only be so long, right? I think. Yeah. Something, I mean, something like that. Yeah. I mean, maybe there's like 10 minutes of track. And if you get a, get a five minute and a six minute song, it's got to bleed over onto the next track. Maybe. I'm not sure. Weird. So, yeah. Weird, man. Um, people don't realize like how big a deal getting music in a certain format was back then. You could get it on an album, you could get it on an eight track uh, tape. I think by that point, tapes are going to be more popular. I think. 
Yeah, but, uh, you know, I mean, if you think back to, uh, I think the first time we had a had tape in a vehicle, it was an 8-track player. Oh. That was... Uh, uh, one of Dad's cars? Yeah, one of, uh, Dad had the uh, the Caprice, the company car that had an 8-track oh, yeah. player. I had remember the, that uh, thing. Yeah, car. Willie Nelson and... Oh, he was rolling the country at that time. Pretty good. He had a lot of a lot of Willie and Merle type stuff, and yeah, yeah, and uh, you know, which I, I guess I remember fondly as, <laughs> and that that's the country I like. I actually went and saw Willie Nelson one time. Sure, and sure. Uh, blew me away. He sang oh, for yeah. three, sang for three hours without stopping. And uh, you knew every single one of the songs he sang because even they were even from other people who he had written these songs that other people turned into top ten hits and stuff like that. So it was extremely entertaining. Yeah. Anyways, no Van Halen. Um, getting back on track here a little bit. Sure, I did eventually buy uh, Van Halen one on vinyl. Um, and I, and I still have it, and that's how I listened to it this last week. Nice. Uh, just to kind of refresh myself. Right. And uh, kind of uh, get past the uh, digital, digitally remastered versions, where I don't think actually all the original folks are on those, playing on those versions. But Really? Um, so isn't it that... Uh, I didn't find the digitally remastered versions myself. Like Apple yeah. didn't have them; they only have the originals. Really? Okay. Yeah. I thought it was uh, kind of like the uh, the Randy Rhodes thing, where maybe uh, Michael Anthony isn't on bass anymore. Wow, that'd be a pretty Van Halen thing to do. That's for kind of for sure. <laughs> as as Alex Van Halen said, the name of the band is Van Halen. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Do your but, own fact checking on that one. Yeah. Um, but uh, we'll see. But one thing that we pride ourselves on the Music Challenge podcast is we don't have to be right. We're, you know, we're, we're pretty loose with the facts here. So, folks, don't go uh, taking any legal yeah. suit with this. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, I fall right in with that. So, right. Um, but uh, so, anyways, just kind of a couple comments about uh, Van Halen one. For me, it really is the bar. held every other album after that too um eddie was a runaway train on that album um not only did he set the bar high for uh other people um other guitarists he set the bar pretty high for himself too oh yeah you know uh with subsequent albums so um i mean we have uh, go ahead no please go ahead oh i was just gonna mention you know we have to mention the eruption on on uh, Van Halen one, which is, yeah, I would yeah. say, I would say is considered his signature, uh, seared across rock and roll. I mean, he's got other great stuff, but that is what everyone knows. And, uh, 
And that was yeah. it's track three on Van Halen one. I mean, welcome to the world, right. Eddie. in high school and I, I I'm going to say it's my uh, sophomore or junior year and we're all headed out to gym class so we head out the side door you walk walk by the parking lot uh, out to the field because I think we're gonna we're probably gonna play flag football or something and I noticed that this uh, I notice other people notice that somehow uh since we've left the locker room to the time we get on the field, this guy's carrying a boom box with them out, <laughs> the, uh, out to the field. And it's kind of like, you know, I, I mean, at the time in my high school, it's not something you did when you went out to gym class to take a boom box or bring a boom box into class. But certainly he had his car nearby in the parking lot and picked it up on the way out to gym class. <laughs> And so kind of like, you know, well, what's he up to? And uh, so we're standing there waiting to get into our teams for flag football or whatever. And he, uh, he puts on eruption. (laughs) (laughs) And we are, uh, you know, there's just kind of a moment of what are you doing? And then I, you know, I have to say, uh, it was so cool that I remember it to this day. And, yeah. That's uh, almost kind of like a Pink Floyd moment there in, uh, in school with uh, Van Halen. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it kind of feels like a, uh, a movie moment. And mm-hmm. um, so, so anyways. Uh, cool, man. Yeah. I found the guy. I looked him up and I called him this week. <laughs> and I told him I, I I said I just want to tell you I, I remember you doing that and I uh, thought it was awesome so changed his life probably well yeah he, he thought it was cool shout out to Dave yeah that was a cool thing oh so, what's up Dave appreciate that yeah cool man cool yeah. um, I guess you know my impressions of, of uh, Eddie and I'm, I'm six years behind, five and a half years behind Jim, um, was to me, it's almost, he was almost ubiquitous with, with rock and roll. Meaning like, I can't remember the first time I heard him. I think it was in Rockford and I think it was on Y95. Am I correct? And that was a quote unquote hard rock radio station. And that's where Van Halen inserted itself and probably, you know, became, was a pillar of that, you know, kind of hard rock community for, uh, or not really community, but um, station format. And and I seem to remember first hearing it on Y95. I, 
and I want to say about the first thing I ever heard was running with the devil. Yes. Um, because, of course, I just remember the, the giant tornado siren thing at the beginning. And uh, I'm going to have another podcast that's called uh, Through the Wall. It's going to be about all the albums that I heard of Jim's through my bedroom wall. And uh, times I got jostled in bed when... Uh, uh, something where, you know, all of a sudden moving pictures comes on and, you know, kind of jars my teeth a little bit. But uh, so, uh, yeah, so uh, I remember running with the devil in, in that way. And and one of the, I thought I'd say the first time I ever laid eyes on, like, what they looked like, and it was uh, the, the video for Unchained. It's live, and uh, okay. and it's really intended to like here, pour and go piss on gasoline. I mean, they, so it ends. It ends with Alex on a flaming gong, and, <laughs> and, but I mean, it, it's balls out. I mean, it, it's balls out. It is cool because you just get that. I mean, it's just, it's just freaking awesome, and uh, um. I remember that as well. And it was like, man, you know, because they did, you know, just once you got that, you know, they, they did carry that stick, you know, I don't want to say stigma or whatever of the California vibe, the California cool, you know, which mm -hmm. is like, you know, laid back sunshine. Right. Right. Kind of a carefree feel to it. And, uh, not take yourself too seriously. I think you can kind of hear that through their albums and whatnot. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, you can. Even Diamond David, you know, Diamond David Lee Roth, uh, you know, he was a, I mean, he didn't take himself too seriously. That's for sure. And I, I have read some stuff you know, post Van Halen that makes me think he might have been the most sane person in the band. I think I've, I've gotten that impression at times as well. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so so could I, uh, I, I think you kind of answered the question, but I was kind of curious, you know. So I I do remember the first time I heard Van Halen, mm -hmm. and kind of uh, some of my experience with them. I mean, what uh, you know? What about you? And when do you? Uh, um, well, I thought like, man, it just. I mean, the first first time I heard it, I, I was like, "Man, this is fucking kick ass." I mean, it was like whatever, you know, everything else I had seemed to felt like I was listening to before that. And keep in mind, folks, I was pretty young. I was, I don't know, ten, eleven, twelve, and um, you know, and this still passed Van Halen one when I'm still when I'm getting cognition of it. But uh, yeah, it was like. Uh, I mean, to me, so all, all the, right away, they were kind of top of the heap, you know, as far mm -hmm. as whatever genre they were in or whatever, you know, you know, whatever they were doing. Uh, 
they were they pretty much cut themselves as um, we're the best at doing this, you know, right. and and really because they had the best fucking guitar player, right? Maybe in the world, you know. Yeah. I'm sure there's someone Sorry, else who wants, yeah. yeah, certainly uh, in commercial rock and roll, and um, for what he does. But you know, one one thing about Eddie Van Halen, it wasn't just how he played; it was his innovation as well. Sure, um, a lot of very customized gear. I mean, when you say very customized, I guess, you know, it's one of a kind because there's someone making it, you know, for right. him, you know. And uh, I guess, you know, he could get, you know, that crazy kind of, um, you know, his strat would fly open on the high notes, um, but stay in control volume-wise. And But, you know, he, he also worked really low on the neck quite a bit, much more than a lot of other guitarists do, because it can get really muddled down there and you can kind of stomp on the bass a little bit. But, mm-hmm. like, like he was not afraid at all to, like, really crank it down there. And to me, that was part of it. You know, then, of course, the whole uh, kind of, you know, hammer-on um, style of playing. Um, I'm making little gestures here, like I'm E.T. or something playing the guitar. Right. right. But, uh, um, you know, no... It, I, I doubt he was the first person to do that, you know, but he certainly was the best at doing it and probably still is. I mean, I, that's his kind of signature style of playing for some time at least. Yeah. I saw something that kind of uh, resonated with me, which was that, um, and I think he admits this too, like uh, Les Paul even, I guess uh, did some of that, but um Jimmy Page as well, I think, too. But uh, he said, you know, other guitar players before him would use that for effect. He has, like, whole a whole sequence in a song where oh, he does yeah. that, you know, throughout the whole sequence. It's not just like a, uh, a highlight or a, uh, you know, a brief parlor trick that he's pulling off. He's, he's actually making a career out of it. Yeah, he's, you know, it's funny you mentioned Les Paul because, you know, I think of guitar innovators and, uh, well, you have to put Les Paul up there because he, of course, invented the damn thing, the electric guitar. Um, And then, you know, Jimi Hendrix for, you know, showing people that it was a lot more than just a a stringed instrument. Uh, um, It was a percussive instrument. It was a rhythm instrument. It was an everything instrument. You could do whatever you wanted with that instrument. And then um, there were other virtuosos, of course. Um, uh, but, you know, I think Eddie was one of the, the top innovators of, you know, of the instrument. If not top three, maybe top five or something like that. I, I don't have a list in my head, but I just gave you or gave a list. So maybe, you know, that's that's where I've kind of thought, of, thought about it. I'm sure there's others, Jeff Beck, whatever. Yeah. Yeah, so on that innovation uh, note, I mean, like, um, you know, he's uh, kind of one of the things that's close to me is he's uh, really, um, so not only is he good with the actual physical equipment, but he's also, uh, I think, an outstanding, uh, I I don't know technical terms, but I'm going to say a sound engineer. Sure. And he, uh, um, and I think 
you know, if you look around, if you, you know, catch some articles or um, some interviews, you know, the amount of time he puts into crafting a sound. Oh. Um, and getting just that sound to be just so. Um, I, I think uh, is amazing. You know, I mean, yeah. a lot of us would just play, um, you know, it's like, okay, here's my pedal. Here's, um, here's my amp, dial those in and right. I'm ready to go. And right. He, he would uh, spend so much time, I think, just trying to craft uh, the perfect sound for what he wanted and how he was going to play. And, yeah. uh, I, I had uh, I thought this was perhaps an interview with uh, Eddie himself uh, where he had said that like while Alex was really pretty much a natural at drums like mm -hmm. he said Alex is you know Alex could go out to the bars every night and come home and rehearse all night and all that kind of stuff but Ed, Eddie said like there was no he, he didn't he didn't go out he he had to practice he had like you know right he had you know whatever he's doing didn't come natural to him or anyone else since he was inventing it. But, um, but you know, it, it's goes to say, you know, goes along with, you know, the guy put in the work, you know, um, For sure. the guy, you know, like, like other guitars, maybe like trans you know, like became just so infatuated with, you know, practicing and getting better and getting speedier and, I guess obsessed is really the word I'm looking for. Yes. And, and, uh, and somewhat to a detriment to their own lives sometimes, because, you know, you're never going to reach perfection, but sure. you, even Eddie himself says part of eruption is screwed up. Right. Um, I, I heard a radio interview with him where, he, I mean, it's a minute, like a string of four notes that go past in a quarter second. He's like, nah, that's not how it's supposed to go. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like him. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, well, I don't know. You got anything else, man? Well, um, so just kind of discography. Did you have any uh, familiarity with Van Halen too? Was that anything? In your I, I do. I know the songs. I don't know. I can't pull them off the top of my head. Um, mm -hmm. Beautiful Girls, is that on there? It is. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I have Van Van Halen too. I just can't pull. Do you? Yeah, I have them all. Do you? Okay, because it's actually like, uh, you know, it, it's in, you know, my uh, top Van Halen albums, but I have never actually owned it. So. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I had I bought them all. I bought them all. Uh, I don't know when. When Van Halen yang about twenty years ago. Mm -hmm. 
and realize that there's only about two and a half hours of material. Now, wait, you saw them in the Bonafide Van Halen, right? Yeah, I, well, I did see them uh, for the 1984 tour. Awesome, awesome. Yeah. You know who uh, opened up for them? No, who? <laughs> Sammy Hagar. Oh, man. Oh, ouch. Wow. You heard it here first, folks. That's where that's where the hatchling started. Yeah, so the only thing I remember about that, I think, is uh, I think I remember him playing I Can't Drive 55. And then and you I, tried to leave and they wouldn't let you? <laughs> I, I feel like uh, it's like, oh, okay, I recognize that song, but um, I'm kind of like, uh, are, are we supposed to like this? Because, I don't know. Yeah, it just never caught on with me. So it's about the only song I know that it doesn't qualify anymore. I mean, it like is is no longer modern because there's no speed limits of 55 miles an hour anymore. Yeah, it's kind of a, a memory. It outdated yeah. itself somehow. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I, um, the Red Rocker doesn't really do it for me too much. Um, Three Lock Box is another song I can remember from his solo uh, oh, yeah. adventures. Yeah, that's, that's, uh, my yeah. Three Lock Box. Probably not even how it goes. but uh, That's pretty good. Oh, nice, nice, nice. I don't know why when we get recording here, sometimes I like to uh, spring out in song. And it sounds completely ridiculous, which is why I leave it in. But... Um, yeah. So. Well, so you mentioned 1984, and I mentioned Van Halen too. And in some ways, I almost feel like Van Halen too. So the, in Van Halen too, I feel like they're starting to sell California more, or you get that California right. vibe in there. I almost feel like Van Halen too should be the the uh, album before 1984. Really? Mm-hmm. You think it's like that advanced? Um. I think it's just about that good, in my view. Oh, I see. I see what you're saying. Yeah, I, I mean, uh, I do mean in order as well, too. Right. Um, That's what I was thinking you were saying, like it should yeah. be con- contiguously next to it or something. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I never thought, to me, 1984 wasn't uh, the, the number one album. I mean, Van Halen won one. Um Van Halen, 1984, because actually I'm a big Fair Warning fan. Are you really? That's, a, that's some dirty, gritty 98 degrees on a summer night with no air conditioning Van Halen. Interesting. Okay. And, uh, yeah, it's got some good songs. I think it opened up with Mean Streets, and it's the old yeah. vinyl, first song on each side of vinyl, you know, it's supposed to rock, you know. Like, I and like. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. It, 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 and I was leaning into that. It, and, um, you know, the first song on side one was uh, Mean Streets. You know, fucking right. awesome. Eddie's got a fucking crazy-ass excellent solo in Mean Streets. And uh, and then you make through side one, and you flip it over onto side two, and then there's where you have Unchained sitting there like a beast. Uh, so, yeah, to me, fair warning, packs a punch. It's a little gritty. Uh, um, I know it's not everyone's favorite, uh, but you know, or I know it's not like you know amongst the uh, 
you know, top picks usually or something like that. But I, I know 1984 goes in those slots pretty easy for most people. I know some people swear by night or fair warning. You know, I, oh, I think yeah. for some people, I think, uh, especially like Unchained, um, you know, is, uh, I mean, like you're saying, I mean, that, that really, uh, really gets it for them. Right. So, yeah. 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 So, I mean, 1984 does have some premium songs on it, though. Girl Gone Bad is, that is or harmonic tour de force. So, I mean, it's, I think that song, fucking kick ass. Top Jimmy always makes me think of you. So that's pretty cool. Um, Sweet. Uh, you know, of course, there's, you know, Jump, which kind of is ubiquitous with life to me. You know, I mean, it's just been around. It was actually, that was the soundtrack to uh, the Cubs pregame for over a decade. So, like, oh, nice. so I have that association with it. Panama, when I saw him in 2012, I think, was an absolute, uh, it was almost played like a punk song. It was so fucking fast. Um, huh. Yeah, it was, it was pretty balls out. I mean, you could hardly tell what song it was, and it was over in about a minute and a half. But, uh, but yeah, Panama's a big one on there. Um, oh, there's one more I can't think of. I'll Wait. Oh yeah, hot for teacher. Oh, for teacher. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I think what's interesting about 1984 as well, too, just kind of going, you know, back in the time machine, is that um, MTV is on the scene now, and MTV is huge, and the album 1984 and huge. all the videos with it is they're huge on MTV. They're premium. I mean, they're so good. I mean, they usually tell a story and, and they're so kind of, uh, they do a lot. To, well, they're incredible at shaping the band's image. 
And, right. you know, whether it's Eddie sitting at a piano blowing smoke rings, you know, at the camera or something like that, it, all types of. Uh, so I agree with you 100% on that, which is that I, I thought this album did a great job of featuring every everybody in the band. Mm-hmm. You know, it, uh, and I thought too, now I, I get, you know, that this album is, uh, you know, it's more popular um, sure. and has more mass appeal to it. But really, I felt like the uh, composing, the songwriting on it, I thought was uh, fantastic. Yeah. I mean, I thought really it was a pretty hard hit now. I mean, all the, you know, once it's all said and done. Um, yeah. I mean, it's kind of shiny for a Van Halen album. Shiny, I mean, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it gets a little bit of appeal, like, because it's the last one. Kind of like synchroni- yeah. synchronicity for the police. Oh, there you go, yeah. And, uh, but all in all, if you just laid it out bare, I mean, those songs are pretty excellent. <laughs> yeah. You know, they, really, they didn't really sell out. Uh, it's a little shinier, but they didn't sell out. I don't think. I mean, there was the introduction of the keyboard, but that's where Eddie wanted to go. I mean, that's what Eddie wanted to do. So he was really excited about that. And, you know, I mean... And, of course, he started on piano. So, I mean, he could probably play any instrument you gave him, but, you know, he started on piano. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, so, actually, uh, kind of on the sound engineering thing again, it does happen... Uh, I think it's worth mentioning that uh, Eddie chose uh, um, an Oberheim as his uh, synthesizer. Oh. Um, and uh, it it does happen that, uh, like, I've, I've mentioned to you before, I, I, so I listen to Ambient. Yeah, uh, sure. So do I. And so cool. Steve Roach is my, um, I think he sets the bar uh, for ambient and he i'll just say he's my favorite and uh he is a um, big oberheim fan uh from southern uh south carolina or south southern california around the same time actually oh Um, oh that's cool uh, so do they intermingle sounds at all or well i think that um uh, so the reasons uh, Steve Roach has chosen the Oberheim uh, is just because of the uh, um, sound quality of it, the kind of organic uh, sound, uh, very uh, smooth and full, lush, uh, that it's able to produce. And so actually, um, as I've listened to Eddie um, right. on 1984, uh, and I heard as well, like, uh, he was very dedicated to trying to find uh, the right, right sounds with the Oberheim. And uh, that gives me kind of a, a renewed appreciation of the work he did uh, yeah. with the synthesizer on 1984. And I know the synthesizer isn't everybody's, uh, everybody's cup of tea, but, um, but I, I think he, I, honestly, I, I think he... Uh, did a great job with it. Yeah, I mean, it made it work. So. My my personal feeling is is like, look, you still play guitar. You got plenty of that. And yeah. if this if this guy wanted to grow in a certain way, you know, he's more than earned the right to you know expand his horizons. You know, and 
about any way that he wants to, you know, on these albums. Now, you can argue whether, you know, as he went forward, was he really expanding his horizons or closing them? But, um, you know, that's that's really a conversation for another day. But, uh, but you know, I, I feel like he just, he earned the right to, you know, add a, add a new sound to it. Because really, a lot, you know, as you said, the bar was set with Van Halen 1. And a lot of those albums, you know, almost follow a formula of that, one after the other for... Almost, yeah. Mm-hmm. A little bit, a little bit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I don't I don't blame him for wanting to rock out of that, you know, somehow. Well, it, so kind of the way you said that uh, struck a chord with me because my understanding is, is uh, that 1984 was his him driving the band. Is that... Um, really? Is so if you remember, I, I actually do kind of remember this. So you remember the video Jump, and I don't know if you remember yeah. that uh, that was, uh, you know, like a sound bite that would go with them playing the video. Is that, you know, that's uh, Eddie Van Halen's uh, studio, that's his new studio oh. that, he, that he's had built. Okay, I and, didn't know that. And so I kind of remember, feel like I remember at the time, is that. Um, he has this uh, studio built and it's him getting serious about music. And I, I think that there is this idea that he's taking the band back and that uh, maybe where some other people have been grabbing at the wheel, trying to steer, uh, mm-hmm. he, he decided that he wanted to take it back. So, I, so, you know, Maybe that's true. If it is, I give him a lot of credit because, um, again, you know, where the I feel like the songwriting uh, is so strong, and I think it's a really giving thing to also to uh, he's so talented. But if he did the songwriting on this, he did a great job of uh, featuring the other. Uh, the other people in the band, right? You know, I mean, Alex has some uh, premium, like, uh, great work. Like I think, like the you know intro to Hot for Teacher. You've got uh, yeah, Dave doing uh, Panama. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. So Eddie on everything, and uh, and, and he steps back some too. I, oh, sure, I, sure. I appreciate that. Even Michael Anthony, I mean, his vocals on most of those songs are just killer. I mean, yeah, I mean, for sure. I mean, it's been said before, and it was mentioned in part one of the Eddie Van Halen tribute. uh, Excuse me, that um, you know the vocals were really the secret weapon of Van Halen. So I don't want to beat a dead horse with that, but oh, do I believe? I agree. Yeah, I mean, like who? you know, no other band really ever hit that again. And, you know, there was a combination of whatever Van Halen was that no one really ever hit again. Mm-hmm. And um, that's what made it so damn special. And the fact yeah, that, it, sure. you know, Eddie, you know, Eddie's fucking cool too. I mean, he's not some lollipop. I, I kind of half like, I mean, it's just like, wow, that, you know, like I said, the first time I heard it, it was like, that was bad ass. <laughs> yeah. Well, I had a question for you, maybe just uh, one more uh, topic, and that is, uh, um, 
Eddie Van Halen in the landscape of uh, virtuoso guitarists. Um, you know, we you touched on his innovation, and mm-hmm. uh, we touched on some of his uh, technical uh, prowess. Where, where do you put him in a landscape of uh, guitarists? Oh, um, in what facet would you say? Well, you know, so it's uh, apples and oranges, really. But I mean, like, uh, like virtuosity or something, like kind of. You can take the question however you want. I mean, if you want to, you know, rank, you know, if you want to do and rank people, you can do that. I mean, just a comparison. um, There's one big comparison for me because I kind of know of the relationship, and that's Frank Zappa. Um, Frank was a speed merchant, and so was Eddie. And uh, I'm pretty sure, I'm, you know, I think I think in the early years, like Frank used to throw Eddie all types of bones as far as like, here, let me have my sound guy work on that for you. Let me have, you know, let me teach you how, let me show you something on this thing, you know, whatever. And he even had Eddie produce Dweezil's first album. Mm. This is like, here, get some experience producing something. Produce my kid. <laughs> and... Uh, <laughs> Oh, cool, Frank. You want me to come over and produce an album? No, I want you to produce my kid's album. Uh, but he did. And there was a deep, deep friendship between the Zappas and, and, and Eddie. And uh, in any case, uh, um, so I kind of put, to me, there's a big similarity between those two. Okay. You know, in, which is... And really, they're they're both very innovative. They're both creative. They both push the guitar. I mean, the actual physical instrument to its peak limits. You know, they have to have all these tricked out things on their guitar just so they can play that fast. You know, you have to have these razor type frets on there. You have to, you know, you you know, everything has to be specialized towards that. Um, The Frankenstrat, as they called the famed uh, Eddie Van Halen guitar, right, or whatever the f they called it. we can swear here. I just, I don't know why I didn't. Um, but, uh, so I put him kind of, I mean, to me, Frank Zappa is, a, to me is a top. He's one, mm-hmm. as far as my personals, he's in top mm, yeah. three of my personal favorites. I mean, mm-hmm. uh, so I have to put Eddie and Van Halen, certainly not far from there. Um, as, as far as like, you know, I was, I mean, Van Halen one was like one of the first discs I ever bought compact discs that I ever bought. And so, I mean, I listened to the shit out of it, you know, I mean, it was, you know, all through my high school, which is when compact disc players came out. I say it like that CDs because someone's gonna be like, what are you talking about this? And, uh, I go, like, oh, yeah, I'm old motherfucker. But, uh, We'll edit that in case mom listens. Um, but uh, yeah, so I mean, I, I can easily put Van Halen in the top ten of you know my listening um, pantheon um, experiences. You know, my personal because I love listening to it. I mean, it's like mm-hmm. you know, someone's talking too loud, just turn it up. <laughs> so it's like it's the end of the conversation. So, I mean, to me, they're way up there. And Eddie Van Halen is probably, like I said, probably a top five innovator and certainly a top three, I would say, actual technician. 
you know, as far as his chops, his chops are absolutely just, you know, right. You know, I I don't even, I are out of this world. I mean, in my opinion, you have to go to jazz to kind of almost approach his chops, Mm. Um, like get some sort of finger freak, like Al Demiolo out there or something like that. And, you know, they might give each other a run for the money. Steve Vai. Yes. Um, he was a freak all in his own right. Right. And, uh, um, you know, I don't know, Ingve Malmsteen cutting his tendons or something like that. I remember hearing that story. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That came to mind. Sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Um, he's a speed freak. Um, by that, I mean speed on guitar. I'm not insinuating anything. Ingve, if you're listening, so don't email. Um, so yeah, that's where I put him on the landscape. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. very lofty air, very lofty air, indeed. Um, you know, not very many other. Very white hot star. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a good way to put it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I can't compare a lot of bands to them or above them. So, mm-hmm. but in any case, why don't we wrap it up for? Uh, sure this episode of the music challenge podcast. Um, uh, my name is Andrew and this has been my brother, Jim. Thanks guys. Thanks cool. for having me. <laughs> cool. Thanks for dropping by the music challenge podcast studios, uh, located here in, uh, lower Manhattan. Uh, that, you could pay for it. Why not? So that's how much money we're making off this now. Uh, now I'll edit that out. Um, so thanks for dropping by and, uh, folks, thanks for listening. I hope you enjoyed it. Hope you enjoyed our two part Eddie Van Halen, uh, tribute. It might've been overkill, but then again, uh, there's not many other people who deserve it. So, um, thank you very much and, uh, have a great night folks. See ya. See you guys.